Hey everyone, welcome to the Daystar Thimble Podcast. My name is Megan Blake, and I am a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. This is a scripture and general conference study that will help you seek the Lord and experience Jesus Christ a little more in your life. My hope is that we can come unto Jesus Christ, our Daystar, and add a thimble of oil to our lamps each episode. You ready? Let's go. I just wanted to pop in and share some insights on an amazing talk. It's called Lifted Up Upon the Cross by Elder Jeffrey R. Holland of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles. He gave this talk in the October 2022 General Conference, and in it he answered this question that I'm sure many of us members of the church have received but it's why we don't use the icon of the cross. Uh, we know that in, as general Christianity, uh, we use this icon to symbolize Christ's death and, and resurrection and um, his sacrifice that he made. But he answers that really well in his talk. So I encourage you to go check that out. It'll be a link in the show notes. You can go read his answer to that. But as part of his answer, and then afterwards he described this concept or principle, but I want to emphasize that today. He talks about this thing called sacrifice, and I want to unpack this. Here's his quote from the talk. The lives of our people must be the symbol of our faith. These considerations bring me to what may be the most important of all scriptural references to the cross. It has nothing to do with pendants or jewelry, with steeples or signposts. It has to do, rather, with rock-ribbed integrity and stiff moral backbone that Christians should bring to the call Jesus has given to every one of his disciples in every land and age He has said to us all, If any man or woman will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. This is in the New Testament in Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. What this means to me, or how I've interpreted it as, is bridling our passions and our appetites, right? This this dopamine hit that we all are seeking for. But isn't that the natural man? Isn't that primitive, primeval? I think these, these things that bring us temporary satisfaction and happiness and satiation are things that aren't going to last, things that won't bring us lasting happiness. And in my opinion, anything that is worthwhile and rewarding is usually hard. 
and it requires patience and sacrifice. Amazing word here. I think about our full-time missionaries in the church. They devote all of their time and energy into the work of the Lord and teaching others about the restoration of the gospel of Jesus Christ and how Christ church, Christ church is on the earth today. Those who have served missions, uh, you probably understand what I'm talking about. And it, there's so much sacrifice involved in that. But after giving up so much of yourself, it's amazing how you feel every day. For me, when I gave myself, I, I can't describe it. I found myself. I had the spirit really abundant in my life at that particular time. That's something I'm constantly striving for is to find that again. Find that, that spirit being a guiding influence in my life. And it just makes me happier. I feel like I can take on anything that life throws at me. Seriously. Our missionaries take on so much. I remember every morning we would get up, we would read our scriptures, we would pray with all our might, and then we walk out the door and we have to go talk to people. And there were some days where it was so scary and terrifying. And every day you had to just kind of gear yourself up, like pump yourself up to get ready and go out and do that. And that was a sacrifice. But I remember in it, as you're talking to people on the street and stopping them and, and doing things that got you out of your comfort zone, it was such a sacrifice to me. But you, I remember feeling calm, completely at peace with just approaching someone on the street. And I really do think it was the Spirit. And because of that sacrifice, God was blessing us with that calmness of heart and that peace that only comes by His Spirit and from Him. That was a little bit of a long tangent, but missionary work is awesome. It's hard. It's a sacrificial work, but it's so rewarding in so many ways. I read a Jewish commentary on the, the New Testament, which is in, interesting to read some Jewish commentary on that, but I'm sure it was probably a Messianic Jew. Uh, they said in regards to this Matthew chapter 16, 24, where you deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow him. They said in verse 24, Then Yeshua told his Talmudim, which is a plural masculine form in Hebrew for disciples. And if you think about the word disciple, it actually means pupil. So these are people that are wanting to learn from the master. Anyways, if anyone wants to come after me, let him say no to himself. Take up his execution stake and keep following me. Yeshua's great call to discipleship is his teaching on how to think the way God thinks. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the German Lutheran theologian who was imprisoned in the, I'm going to get this name wrong, 
Thersenstadt concentration camp. And he was eventually shot by the Nazis at age 39, days before the close of World War II. But he wrote this amazing book called The Cost of Discipleship. And in there, he said, there is no cheap grace, no primrose path, primrose path to heaven. To follow Yeshua is to say no to oneself, not by practicing developing low self-esteem, but by placing the will of God above one's own feelings, desires, and urges, right? It's this bridling our passions. To take up one's execution stake is to bear the instrument of one's own death. For as Bonhoeffer put it, when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. The consequences of wholeheartedly taking this stand are given in the following verses after this, 25 and 26. For whoever wants to save his own life will destroy it. But whoever destroys his life for my sake will find it. What good will it do someone if he gains the whole world but forfeits his life? Or what can a person give in exchange for his life? I like the Joseph Smith translation here of Matthew 16, 26. It makes it a little clearer. And now for a man to take up his cross is to deny himself all ungodliness and every worldly lust and keep my commandments. I'll finish here. 27. For the Son of Man will come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will repay everyone according to his conduct. Yes, I tell you that there are some people standing here who will not experience death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. I find that last verse fascinating. This must be a different translation, although I don't know the exact uh, biblical translation here. It must be either NIV or ESV. Um, But verse 28 kind of brings it to a full circle, right? There's some people who won't experience death. Now, he isn't talking about physically. I think here he is talking about this this call of sacrificing oneself. I hope I'm coming across clearly enough, but there will be some people who, when he comes, will be like, oh, this, this is him? This was it? Oh my goodness, I would give everything. I would give my life for him. Once they really find out who he is and what this is all about, they would want to come and die. To deny oneself, to take up one's cross, and to follow him. I think that's amazing. When I became a mother, in some ways, I felt like I died. Okay, not really, but I was not Megan Blake anymore. I had changed. My body wasn't the same, that was for sure. All of my daily activities I ever did or loved were not the same, completely different. Motherhood didn't come naturally to me. I think I've said this before. 
and it was a really hard transition for me, but I have learned and I've grown so much and I know that I love my children and I, I have had to deny myself so many things, so many opportunities and things that I would have wanted to do. You know, other interests and jobs and I've just had to be unselfish to be a mother and all mothers out there know the feeling. You change. You become someone completely different. But in it, you find all this love, this, this love that you would have never experienced had you not done it. I think that's exactly what, what God is showing us here. When we deny ourselves all these other distractions and, and lulls of the world, and be lulled to Christ and come after Him. When we deny ourselves of other things, then we will find Him. Love. He is the God of love. I believe that wholeheartedly, and I think there is some symbolism in motherhood. When we do deny ourselves, we can feel more capacity and more opportunity to love. And it comes more freely. I love it. This is a Christly work. Motherhood's a Christly work. Fatherhood is a Christly work. We become new people. I love this quote from Elder Holland's talk. He goes on, This speaks of the crosses we bear rather than the ones we wear. To be a follower of Jesus Christ, one must sometimes carry a burden, your own or someone else's, and go where sacrifice is required and suffering is inevitable. I highlighted burden, sacrifice, and suffering in that. Those are just some words that jumped out to me. He goes on, a true Christian cannot follow the master only in those matters with which he or she agrees. No, we follow him everywhere including, if necessary, into arenas filled with tears and trouble, where sometimes we may stand very much alone. I want to jump to Exodus chapter 2. I want to focus on a wonderful woman in the Old Testament name, named Jochebed. In Hebrew, uh, I think it's Jochebed in uh, in English. I'm not quite sure, but Jochebed is the is the right name, or Yochebed. And um, she is an amazing example to me of of this burden that she had, this heavy, weighty challenge and sacrifice says in verse 1, And there went a man of the house of Levi, and took to wife a daughter of Levi. And the woman conceived and bare a son. And when she saw him that he was a goodly child, she hid him three months. Sorry, this is Exodus chapter 2. First of all, this woman is Yochebed. And she gave birth to a son, but 
the background behind this story is. At the time, Pharaoh um, in Egypt was killing all of the Hebrew sons who were born. I'm not quite sure why not the Hebrew daughters, but I think it has to do with the fact that Moses is a type of Christ. And in that, uh, that would make Pharaoh King Herod, right? And killing all of the babies, the first or the the new baby boys born and and him going on that rampage and it's just awful. I can't imagine the the pain and the suffering of of all of that. Um, so she was living under these circumstances. <clears throat> And first of all, Yochebed, actually, her name in Hebrew is really cool. It means God, it could mean God's burden, or the burden is God's. So through the Lord, she could get through this heavy, weighty burden to get to having to get rid of her son. She's cautious, she's wise, she's, um, I can imagine her. After give, you know, she has this baby and she keeps him three months. And I like to think that she kept him because she wanted to nurse him three months. But she hid him, and and you can just imagine her having to bring wrap up this bundle, her baby, and bring him down to the water's edge, and like other mother, other Hebrew mothers, probably crying not wanting to give up their children, but under duress, having to. And she's trying, she's kind of having some civil disobedience here, right? She's still obeying the edict of Pharaoh by going down to the river. But she's wise. She's, she fears God more than she fears Pharaoh. And so she weaved this basket I love this in verse three. And when she could no longer hide him, she took him for she took for him an ark of bulrushes and daubed it with slime and with pitch, and put the child therein. And she laid it in the flags by the river's bank, river's brink. And I just I love I love this. She would have known how to weave a basket. She would have known how to make it waterproof. Right? Think of this. She was a slave growing up in Egypt. She would have made hundreds, if not thousands, of baskets in her life. And she would have made them of, of good quality and one that she could keep waterproof, to keep liquids in. So it's just amazing that in her burden, in her heavy, weighty bondage of slavery, was actually her saving grace to preserve the life of her son. I love it. She knew this skill because of her sacrifice. And it came in clutch here. It was her salvation. And I just can't help but think, in our experience, in our story, can we have perspective in the blessings that will come from our burdens, right? Who, who would have ever guessed that our burdens can become our salvation? And I love that. 
And I think about the immense burden, the immense sacrifice that Christ bore, and also the subsequent glory which followed. And, and he wears now. And it was because of that heavy and extremely weighty burden. And I love that. I love Jochebed. I love her story. And I love how she shows us that there is a cost to our discipleship. And I, wanna, I, wanna, I want that to resonate with us here. There's a man in our ward. His name is Stephen. He's an amazing guy, so faithful, so loyal, and he he doesn't have a driver's license. He can't have a driver's license, and so he walks every week to church, and sometimes when we see him walking on the side of the road to church, we're like, Stephen, come on in, you know, we'll, we'll give you a ride, and um, he's always very grateful, but <clears throat> he doesn't have a license, and so you know, it gets cold here. We're from Montana, and it gets down. One week it was negative 30 degrees, and it was during that weekend, and, and church was a go, and, and he was out there walking to church in the cold. I mean, anyone could say, no, it's too cold, I'm not going. No, not him. He was out there walking all bundled up, scarf, beanie, jacket, boots, trudging through the snow. And and we pull over like, hey, Stephen, get in the car. Come on. <laughs> so he is such a good example to me of what it means to sacrifice and and that there is a cost to our discipleship. And his, he carries that cross every week just to follow the Savior. And I love his, his Christ-like example of that. So there is a cost to discipleship. I want to spend just a few minutes on this idea from Malachi where he talks about this offering that we offer in righteousness. And of course, there's there's a couple of different interpretations of this. I mean, first, an offer offering in righteousness, that's probably we will learn from the Doctrine and Covenants. That's a book of our dead. That's that's our family history work and the work that we do in the temple. So that has very, very much significance to us as as members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, where where we can do the work, baptism, confirmations, and other ordinances, uh, saving ordinances in um, the house of the Lord in his temple. And uh, for those who did not have the opportunity to have those ordinances done in their lifetime or receive the gospel in their life. The Lord doesn't like hollow practices or checklists. And I've, I've learned for myself that it's all about becoming and that's why we sacrifice. It's not so that we can check off, oh, I did my sacrifice today, or that's the, that was the law of Moses. No, Christ wants us to have a more personal sacrifice, one that is a contrite heart and full of intent. 
and to be intentional and to become in that sacrificing process that we we give to him it's it's in essence sacrificing our whole heart to him here take it because i want you to have it right so malachi um he wants so god wants us he wants all of us he wants our whole hearts um that tree that needs cutting yeah he doesn't just want some branches he wants the whole thing roots and all and us as members of the church of jesus christ of latter-day saints we we understand the law of sacrifice right we covenant to keep this law in our temple in our temples among other covenants that we make and we sacrifice our time we sacrifice our talents the the things that we've been blessed with our spiritual gifts we sacrifice everything to building up the kingdom of god on the earth and um, establishing zion and in in my life i think this looks like normal everyday things right but just done in a way that's dedicated to the lord it's almost as if you can write holiness to the lord and that's where i want to read this chapter or read this couple verses not the whole chapter <laughs> don't don't worry um it's oh it's actually a, a zechariah sorry chapter 14 and it's at the very end of zechariah right before malachi and malachi talks about you know a pure offering and and not offering a weak offering right like making sure that your lamb is unblemished right um, whereas the israelites at this or um, the jews at this point were actually offering some blemished lambs and it was not okay and the lord was not accepting their sacrifice but but really giving a pure offering you know um a offering bread that isn't polluted right <clears throat> Anyways, um, but we see we see um, this holiness to the Lord um, written in Zechariah chapter or verse twenty, chapter fourteen. In that day shall there be upon the bells of the horses so something as small as a bell on a horse, holiness unto the Lord, and the pots in the Lord's house so the pots in His temple shall be like the bowls before the altar they'll be sacred um, and verse 21 yea every pot in jerusalem and in judah shall be holiness or sacred as well unto the lord of hosts and all they that sacrifice shall come and take of them and seeth or cook they're therein and in that day there shall be no more the canaanite in the house of the lord of hosts and i just i love this imagery um when it says in all day that sacrifice shall come this um in the law of moses it was only the priests who were allowed to sacrifice and and eat of the sacrifice as part of uh, as part of these sacri sacrifices on the altar and um all will be invited to 
make that sacrifice. And I just, I love that imagery that we are all invited to come partake. And that's what we, in essence, kind of do today. Um, that we are invited, when we, when we go to the sacrament, are we going with holiness to the Lord? Are we going with us, you know, um, our hearts prepared to go to Him? And I just, I love it. Are we willing to take upon us the name of Christ, right? And just put away ourself, deny ourself, and follow Him, carry our crosses. And I love this idea of holiness unto the Lord. Um, like I said, it could, in, in essence, we could have everything in our life be holiness unto the Lord. Something as simple as a, simple as a cup or a, or a hammer um, can have that description or inscription. And we don't have to wait to the millennium. This is a millennial verse here. But we don't have to wait to the millennium. We can have our everyday efforts be dedicated to the Lord. I have a computer mouse that I used for a number of years while I worked from home. And at the same time, I was raising our first child. And boy, oh boy, let me tell you, those were some hard years. My heart goes out to all of the single parents out there who have to do that balancing act. Oh my goodness, it is hard. It is tough beans. My heart goes out to you. I would literally wake up early every morning. I'd quickly shower and get ready and then hop on to work so I could work before the baby gets up. And um, throughout the day, I would clock on and clock off and worked from home and had to keep him entertained. There was lots of crying, lots of mess. Um, I was just surviving, let me tell you. And I would work late into the night to finish up the things that I needed to before the next day and then just rinse, repeat. And, and those, those were hard, hard days. <clears throat> and it was, it was really hard to keep my son entertained and not cry for attention as he got bigger. And I would just stick him on, on my lap, um, and I would try to, you know, bounce my knee and bounce my leg up and down, give him some pen and paper, and, and it, was, it was hard. My husband actually was at BYU at the time finishing his degree, and, and he had, you know, two more years left, and it was hard. Uh, on top of that, I was also pregnant with our second. And so that made it all the more harder. I felt like I had two babies in between my computer laptop most days, like bouncing one on my leg, one in my tummy, me feeling sluggish, but also having to get work done. Anyways, you don't need to hear the nitty gritty details, but that was hard. But while I was, while I would be working, I would give him a pen and I had this little mouse pad that, um, you know, I used, 
used and he for some reason always he never wanted to draw on the paper he always wanted to draw on the mouse pad of course so we still have that mouse pad and every time i see it a flood of memories just come back to me of all of those hard days and doing all of that that balancing act and I see the scribble marks all over it. It's dirty. <laughs> it's such a such a dirty mouse pad. But I can imagine myself after I read this verse in Zechariah. I looked at that mouse pad and I thought that is holy unto the Lord. Just that that scribbled on mouse pad because it was a sign of my sacrifice to have children at such a young stage of our marriage and the sacrifice I made to help support our family during that, to put my husband through school. And I'm just reminded of that sacrifice. I'm grateful for the Lord's strength and power that he gave me. And it's that compensatory power that he gave me that strength. And it's, it's because of keeping our covenants. It's that covenantal love, chesed, which is the Hebrew word for covenantal love or loving kindness. And it just means love. It means mercy. It means, it means loyalty, fierce loyalty, and fidelity. And I'm just so grateful for that covenantal love that binds me to Christ and Him to me. President Nelson wrote about that, um, that word chesed in the Liahona October 2022 edition, if you want to check that out. It was a really good talk. Maybe it's because it had Hebrew in it. I don't know. But it was a cool one. But he gave me strength to do my life's mission. And I'm forever grateful for that. So it's holiness unto the Lord when I see that. One last quote from Elder Holland and then his... His promise. It is one of the most powerful paradoxes of the crucifixion that the arms of the Savior were stretched wide open and then nailed there. Unwittingly, which means unintentionally, but accurately portraying that every man, woman, and child in the entire human family is not only welcome, but invited into his redeeming, exalting embrace. I just want to say here that I know Christ lived. He died for us. He denied himself for you, for me. He denied himself for all of us. And he asks us to do the same in our own personal and intimate and individual way 
I know that he is full of love and compassion for all of us. He is there to embrace us and give us strength through the hard, the messy, the ugliness of our stories. He is there. He went there for you. I know this to be true with my whole heart. I want to end with Elder Holland's promise to us. To obtain such blessings, may we follow him unfailingly, never faltering or fleeing, never flinching at the task, not when our crosses may be heavy, and not when, for a time, the path may grow dark. For your strength, your loyalty, and your love, I give deep personal thanks. This day I bear apostolic witness of him who was lifted up and of the eternal blessings he bestows to those lifted up with him. I love that promise. That we can receive eternal blessings if we can be lifted up with him. Even the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you so much, you guys, for listening today. I hope you have a great day.